Today on Season 2, Episode 87 of the Unknown Packers Podcast, it's playoff time, baby. Your 13-3 NFC North champ, second-seeded Packers are prepared to face the Seattle Seahawks in the divisional round of the playoffs at Lambeau Field. Does our new-look defense have what it takes to slow down Russell Wilson and company? Will beast mode be a factor? How will we match up against their deep threat receivers? We give our game balls and have only one request for you all. Get loud, Lambo. And now it's time for Playoff is Back on Tap. This is Green Bay. Green Bay. Thank you so much for following the Unknown Packers podcast. Touchdown! Dagger! Al Harris, 56 yards! Everything, but it's the only thing. Green and yellow, green and yellow, green and yellow, green and yellow, green and yellow. Packers podcast. Green and yellow, green and yellow, green and yellow, green and yellow. Let me tell you this Green Bay is a great town. This is Green Bay, Green Bay, Green Bay. And welcome to the Unknown Packers podcast. I'm your co host, Bryce Christensen, and alongside me for this episode, I have my brother from another mother. Uh, My other co-host, Neebles, for Playoff is back on tap. The last Packers playoff game was the the run-the-table year, the 2016 playoffs. And it is actually three years to the date that we are recording this that the Packers and the New York Giants squared off in the playoffs. Packers beat the Giants 38-13. I was actually at that game. And the same seats that you and I will sit in, Neebles, how are you feeling it's been a couple weeks since we've last recorded a lot of chaos with the holidays, and uh, we get a little preview before you and I get to watch our first Packers game together, and nonetheless, it is a Packers playoff game at Lambeau Field. Oh man, I could not be more excited. Packers are back in the playoffs, and like you said, playoffs are back to Lambeau Field. No better spot to have a, a football game, in my opinion, at this time of year. It is going to be an awesome experience. I am so excited to be able to go up there and witness it firsthand. Uh, all the years I've had season tickets, my dad and I split the gold package tickets. I have never been to a playoff game, so this will be a first for me. That's unbelievable. I can't wait. Yeah, you and me co-hosting, uh, road tripping up to Lambeau Field. And th- the thing that I really want to emphasize, playoff football is back three years to the date like I said, the Packers beat the New York Giants. Then they went on to Dallas and the the catch, if you will, with Aaron Rodgers to Jared Cook. And then the beautiful song of Celine Dion in the Titanic soundtrack, <laughs> if you play that just right. And Mason Crosby willed us to beat the Cowboys 34-31. And then we went on to the NFC Championship game and lost the Atlanta Falcons. And interestingly enough, three years ago, Matt LaFleur was the quarterback's coach for the Atlanta Falcons. And after that, it snapped an eight-year streak of the Packers going to the playoffs. And currently, we are on a back-to-back omission when it comes to the playoffs this 2017 and 2018 season. And Packers versus Seattle Seahawks for the fourth time in the playoffs. The last time was 2014. The 2014 season... Mm. Played in January of 2015. Do not want to really talk about that. But it's interesting enough, the Packers are 13-3. and They square off against the Seattle Seahawks, who are 12-5. and They have finished the regular season 11-5. and uh, And they play at 5.40 p.m. Central Standard Time at Lambeau Field. The Packers have won the 
the last two of the three previous postseason matchups against the Seattle Seahawks, both of the Green Bay Packers wins took place at Lambeau Field in the 2003 NFC wildcard game. Green Bay Packer cornerback Al Harris returned an interception 52 yards for a touchdown in overtime to give the Packers a 33-27 win. That 2003 NFC wildcard game was also the, the game where Matt Hasselbeck infamously said, we want the ball and we're going to score. And shortly thereafter, dreadlocks and all. And there is your playoff dagger, Al Harris returning it. The two also met in the 2007 NFC uh, divisional round with Green Bay scoring on six consecutive possessions after Seattle scored the first 14 points of the game to win 42 20. That was a huge game by Ryan Grant. He also had a couple fumbles, uh, which led to the Seattle Seahawks scoring the first 14 points. That was also the Snow Globe game. I was actually at that game in attendance. And so it's awesome. nice. Uh, Snow Globe, I was not at the 2003 wildcard game. And then uh, we had the 2014 NFC Championship collapse. So the Packers are currently 2-1 and one in the postseason against the Seahawks. Interestingly enough, um, not only is the NFC Championship collapse something that I don't like to talk about, but the fail Mary as well in 2012 where the Seattle Seahawks beat the Green Bay Packers where they had the replacement refs with uh, MD Jennings intercepting it and then Golden Tate also having his arm on it and ruling a touchdown. That was the shift, if you will, from when Green Bay was dominating uh, the NFC, and then Seattle took over from there. Uh, Seattle is 95-46-1 and one since 2012, the best mark in the NFC. Green Bay is at second right now at 82-54-2. The big difference, though, is the Seattle Seahawks have reached two Super Bowls since and kept the Packers out of the incredible comeback in the NFC, uh, 2014 NFC Championship game. And so uh, the, Pack- or the Seahawks have not won at Lambeau, since November 1st, 1999, where former Green Bay head coach Mike Holmgren led the Seattle Seahawks to a 27-17 victory against the Green Bay Packers. And uh, they currently have an eight-game losing streak in Green Bay, including those two playoff losses. And if you think about it, I mean, there are some that are scared about the Seattle Seahawks squaring off against the Green Bay Packers at Lambeau Field. Rodgers has not been in the playoffs since the run the table. I feel like he's chomping at the bit. Uh, Matt LaFleur, he's, I think he's ready for the occasion. He's got his men healthy and ready. And I'll talk about another person, uh, Aaron Jones, but the bright lights of Aaron Jones. I, I feel good. I will hold off on <laughs> my other feelings of the Green Bay Packers and the <laughs> Seattle Seahawks game. But I want to hear from you. You've been doing a great job of behind the enemy, enemy lines, dissecting the offense and the defense. Uh, so, sure. so give us a little... A vision of what or a snapshot of what we can expect from the Seattle Seahawks offensively. All right, no problem. Yeah, and and at this point, everybody's pretty familiar with the the Seahawks, but uh, some numbers may surprise you. Their performance this year versus how we have uh, what they've been like when we face them in the past. We're going to start out with Russell Wilson. He has had an MVP type season this year. As he's been in the conversation, but his numbers are are great as normal. 31 touchdowns to five interceptions, 4,110 yards, and a 106.3 rating. His passing numbers isn't really what scares me about him. It is his feet and his escapability. That just brings him up to a a whole nother level, that, that complete next level. 
even with his Houdini skills, however, he is the this year has been the second most sacked quarterback in the league, which is very surprising. I was I was very surprised when I saw that number. He has been down forty nine times this year, which is very very un Russell Wilson like. But if you think about it, looking at his his big numbers and the, and the uh, amount of times he's been sacked, it just kind of shows how he is at different level, you know, different level player with his feet. It's it's just crazy. I do see the advantage of our D-line versus their O-line going to the Packers. Again, they just don't have a very strong offensive line unit this season along all those sacks. So I do think if, if Patton has them ready, you know, has them play disciplined, uh, don't, don't overreact, hopefully we will be able to keep Wilson in check. Now, the Seahawks as you may not know, have lost three starting running backs in the past month. That has caused them or that that has yeah, caused them to go out and sign 33-year-old Marshawn Lynch out of retirement. Beast mode. Beast mode. Well, and he, you know, he, he hasn't got his legs back yet. Hopefully he doesn't get them back this week, but he started out kind of slow. Right. His first game was week 17 against the 49ers where he accounted for 34 yards on 12 carries and a touchdown. So, not overly impressive in the least. Uh, last week versus the Eagles, he had six carries for seven yards and a touchdown, and five of those seven yards came on one carry. So he hasn't found he hasn't isn't typical beast mode yet. And I hope again, I hope he stays that way. Mm-hmm. Like every week, the mantra going up against the Packers is you know we want to exploit their run defense. We want to exploit their run defense. And Pete Carroll has said that this week is their main focus is to exploit the Green Bay run defense, and he wants to get the ball to Marshawn Lynch a whole lot more. I still think that he is going to remain more of a short yardage sort of red zone threat. I don't think he's going to be stretching the field. I don't think he has that in him anymore. But who knows? He could surprise us. One guy that everybody needs to look out for is Travis Homer. He is going to be their feature back. He's been utilized mostly on special teams this season. He is, you know, he's he's one of their, their he's the leader of their punt team. He's a special teams ace, and they have started utilizing him as a featured back now that the injuries have occurred. Week seventeen, like Lynch, was his first game as a featured back, and he had ten carries for sixty-two yards adding five receptions for 30 yards, no touchdowns versus the 49ers. So for having come in, you know, first game as a featured back going up against that very stout 49ers defense, I think 10 carries for 62 yards is is a very respectable number. So he is someone definitely that they're going to have to account for. Last year, he kind of came, last year, I'm sorry, last week in the playoffs against the Eagles, he kind of came back down to earth a little bit. He had 11 carries for 12 yards, no touchdowns again. But, I think he is definitely someone they have to keep uh, accounted for, especially if the field's going to be sloppy on Sunday. Now, their running game isn't what worries me. It is Seattle's passing game, their receivers. Now, their their style of play, it's kind of, it, it's almost built to give the Packers fits. They're not one of those teams that's going to be methodical moving down the field, uh, dinking and dunking. They rely on the big play. Seattle has 62 explosive plays this season, which is good for sixth most in the league. For all those that don't know, an explosive play is one that goes for 20 or more yards. And that is something that has given the Packers just fits all season long. 
They also have an explosive pass uh, rate, which is fourth in the league at 12%. So 12% of their, their passing play calls are you know meant to be explosive plays. So that's definitely something that we're going to need to watch out for. Now, who are these plays going to? Number one, Tyler Lockett. This season, Lockett has put up career-high numbers. He had 82 receptions for 1,057 yards and eight touchdowns. Now, he isn't the biggest guy. He's 5'10", 182 pounds, but he is quick, he is shifty, and he has, has some very solid hands. He is definitely one that uh, will be able to get the job done. I do expect him to be faced up against Jair. Will be that'll be a very tall task for Jair, but I, I think speed wise and size wise, that is a pretty pretty close matchup. Mm-hmm. Now, on the other side, we have DeKalen Zacharias Metcalf, <laughs> the rookie receiver out of Mississippi. Now, somehow he did follow the Seahawks in the second round this year, and I'm thinking that's looking like a steal. He has so far, yeah, so far he has 58 catches, 900 yards, and seven touchdowns as a rookie. Those are some pretty darn big numbers. Right. And each week he is getting better and better. He does have the, he is the the bigger of the two receivers. He has the size. He is 6'4 and 229 pounds. He is not as quick as Lockett, but just that size, it it represents a, a mismatch for most corners. I am very interested to see how Kevin King and his size will will be able to keep up and, and match up with uh, DK Metcalf. I think that is going to be a a, a very good thing to watch. Very, that's the very matchup. exciting. That is the matchup yep. right there. King and Metcalf. Yep, definitely. And on the tight end side of the ball, they don't really have anybody that that really worries me. You know, again, traditionally, if the team that we're playing has a tight end that I think is going to be a, a difference maker. I will highlight them. You know, I, I don't think that, uh, the, that Jacob Hollister is that difference maker. I don't think the Packers will have too much trouble with him. He is number one on the depth, depth, depth chart, has 41 receptions, 349 yards, and three touchdowns this season. So he's pretty, pretty average, pretty, you know, low on the, on the tight end totem pole. So I am not worried about him. Interesting. So basically, yeah, this week, you know, it's going to come down to Russell Wilson and his escapability. Can we keep him contained? Can ZMP Smith get to him, take him down? We just have to make sure that we keep keep Lockett and Metcalf locked down as well because those, those explosive plays, those are the ones that I am afraid of. So hopefully the defense is up to the task. And really outside of that, that's that's all I have for the the offense this week. Well, excellent job as always bringing the enemy of the behind enemy lines, uh, the offensive perspective. Just my two cents. I mean, like I mentioned, the the matchup of Kevin King and DK Metcalf, a guy that I mean, I w- uh, we've got our unknown Packers podcast draft guy that we did last year. Uh, DK Metcalf was a guy that I was entertaining in the first round. I I knew that he had issues with uh, his versatility when it came to route running, but his size and his speed and his uh, work ethic is what really intrigued me for him to fall the second round. And and not only that, uh, the Seattle Seahawks drafted LJ Collier out of TCU in the first round. So it wasn't even Metcalf. It reminds me a lot of what the Ravens did with Lamar Jackson. They drafted Hayden Hurst at tight end first, and then they drafted Lamar Jackson and so, obviously, different positions. But I look at what Seattle did. They got lucky. Uh, they drafted sure, a, sure. a guy that has very little or has had very little impact in the first round. And then the second round has gotten a guy that can be a difference maker for him, could give the Packers fits. 
And then Jacob Hollister that you mentioned. Keep in mind, though, in that Niners-Seahawks game, Wilson was looking at Hollister on both of those uh, last scoring drives, that big possible defensive pass interference that they talked about, and also him sneaking it one inch or, if you will, a couple inches from the goal line to give the Seahawks the score. He was a guy that Wilson was using in the middle part of the season and then died off a little bit, but it, it was intriguing to see how he was being utilized with the game on the line and Wilson looking at Hollister. So I think it's interesting that you, being a tight end guy, I'm bringing a little bit of noise. I'm a little concerned with Jacob Hollister. I hope you're right, though. I hope you're right, though, that maybe uh, the flashlight burns out for him and it was just one of those games where Wilson was just looking at Hollister because of the matchup. Sure. But I love it. We're going to take a quick commercial break with playoff football is back on tap. We're going to focus on the defensive side of the Seattle Seahawks with behind enemy lines and Nebel's perspective. We'll be right back. Go Pack Go. You are listening to the Unknown Packers podcast. Do you want to be a part of the show? If so, give our listener line a call. Leave your name, a comment, concern, or question, and we will include your message on an upcoming episode. Call 920-328-5269. Again, that's 920-328-5269. We look forward to hearing from you. Don't forget to show us some love and rate us on your favorite podcast provider. Now, let's get to the second half. Go, Pat, go! Go, Pat, go! Go, Pat, go! And we are back for the second half of Playoff is Back on Tap. Playoff football, Green Bay Packers and Seattle Seahawks. I'm curious, uh, the defensive side of the football, what can see, What can we expect from uh, the Seattle Seahawks the Legion of Boom list now with Sherman being in San Francisco and Cam Chancellor no yeah, longer yeah. Uh, being that effective playmaker, the guy that really scared me. They've got Jadavian Clowney, they got KJ Wright, but break it down for me. I, I want a little. I want to know a little bit more because I feel that there's going to be some magic with Aaron Rodgers and playoffs. There's just something playoff football, Lambeau Definitely. Field, Aaron Rodgers. <laughs> but can the Seattle Seahawks defense oh, yeah. stop that? Definitely and. When I think Seattle Seahawks, that's the first thing that comes to mind is Legion of Boom and their defense. But the days of the Legion of Boom are, they're gone. They are gone. And in fact, their entire defense, believe it or not, has kind of fallen back. And they're, they're, I I guess I would say, mediocre. Not great. If you look at their rankings, they are 26th in total defense and 29th in yards per play. They are 22nd in points allowed. They are 27th in pass defense, 21st in yards per play allowed, and and they are 22nd in rushing defense, 28th in yards per play. So this is not the defense, the Seattle defense that we are all used to. They are definitely definitely susceptible to the run and the pass, and I'm I'm looking forward to it. Let's talk their pass rush. We did just talk about Jadavian Clowney. You just brought him up. They don't have much of a pass rush outside of him. They actually rank 30th in sack percentage in the league. They don't get to the quarterback all that often. Situational defense hasn't been great either. They are 16th on third down and 26th in the red zone. And that red zone, I think there's going to be, that red zone number is going to be a huge factor as that that seems to be one of Green Bay's strong points is is their red zone offense. So that'll definitely be, a matchup that uh, I think we can exploit. 
Now, similarly to the Packers, turnovers have been Seattle's saving grace. They are, they actually lead the NFC with 32 takeaways, and that is also good for third in the NFL. They have 16 fumble recoveries and 16 interceptions. Jadavian Clowney, again, who we've mentioned a couple times already, has forced four fumbles himself, and Rasheen Green has also forced three himself. Now, another interesting number I see is there are nine different Seahawks that have had a pick this season. Trey Flowers, Quandre Diggs, and linebacker K.J. Wright have had three apiece. With that being said, ball protection is going to be key in this matchup. We need to make sure that we don't you know, have a, have a multi-turnover game and, and like we did in Detroit and expect to, to come away with a victory. We have to protect this ball against the crew because, again, this is their, their bread and butter. I think that the biggest factor in their defense is going to be Bobby Wagner. Bobby Wagner is probably, he's arguably, arguably the best middle linebacker in football. He is one of the best run defenders of his generation. He has 159 tackles this season. He just has that incredible ability to read and react to the play. He is always going to be the first to the ball. He is very dominant in coverage. He has that rare ability to cover from sideline to sideline, and he does rank among the top linebacking leaders in catch rate, force incompletion percentage, passer rating allowed, and yard allows per coverage snap. So Bobby Wagner is just one of those guys that you have to account for at all times. He is going to be everywhere on the field. He's one of those guys that, if I was a, a Seahawks fan, would be confident putting on a, a running back such as Jones. I do still think Jones has a slight advantage, but with how how Wagner plays, I think that that he he would be a guy I'd feel more confident you know, leaving on a running back. He's going to be all over the place, going to cover the middle of the field. They definitely need to, you know, he's one of those guys they definitely need to to game plan for. So Bobby Wagner is going to be my X factor for the Seattle defense this, uh, you know, this Sunday. Nothing about uh, nothing else about them really scares you. I mean, what what are your thoughts on their defense? I think after like hearing both your perspective of the offense and the defense, DK Metcalf and Bobby Wagner, I think it's interesting with the defense. I was more looking at what Jadavian Clowney can do and what Aaron Rodgers, I guess, you know, there have been times in in the last three, four weeks where he has been um, careless with the football and that's not been his MO. And that's something that Jadavian Clowney thrives on. Uh, He's a guy that likes to strip sack, likes to create havoc, goes for the ball. So he's a guy that I think is someone that concerns me. He can, he can change the momentum in a blink of an eye, but I also think that our offensive line can neutralize him. Yep, yep. And but when you mention Aaron Jones and Bobby Wagner, that Aaron Jones has just been eating up linebackers left and right, and sure. it got to the point where they were putting you know speedy corners on him, and he was still eating them up. So he he is a threat to take it to the house really on any given snap, and I I that's the matchup I think I'll, I'll be looking at more is Bobby Wagner. And how does he set the tone? Is he able to to neutralize Aaron Jones? Right. Um, I think overall, uh, the thing that does concern me, I'm not sure if DK Metcalf can do it back-to-back weeks like he did with the Eagles, but that that big playability. uh, Kevin King has been um, locked down. This is essentially his rookie season, playing a full season healthy. And I think that uh, this is a matchup that we, we all want, but... 
granted, Kevin King's not a rookie. He's been in the league for three years, so I think that this is the opportunity to just continue to raise the bar, which he has done all year long. DK Metcalf is a rookie. Uh, I think a guy that we're we're able to take advantage of. Like I said, he's not the greatest route runner, but his size and his speed is what can be devastating. So I think he hit it right on the head. Russell Wilson has struggled at Lambeau Field. He has not. I mean, the last game that the Seahawks and the Packers played at Lambeau was in the regular season in 2016, and he had one touchdown and five interceptions. That was the run the table year, and that's I think that was the second or third win we had beaten the Eagles, and I think the following week we beat the Seahawks, and that's when we started thinking, oh my gosh, Aaron Rodgers, you know, this prognosticator, this Nostradamus saying that he can run the table. So I, I feel, like I said, I feel great. I'll hold off on why I feel great, but what you said, it it just hones in. I think Homer could be a guy that could be, could give us fits, but I don't know. There's just something about it. I I, I feel good, and for the people that have been tuning in, um, I mean, this just fits my mo. But I'll hold off on what I think the Packers can do. But I I would say that I would say if we are able to stop DK Metcalf, um, I think that's a W. And I know, in, and we've kind of, I've been kind of going back and forth with folks on Twitter in regards to the the weather for Sunday. And while it may not be, you know, that 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 it factor as it has been in the past, you know, it's not going to be super cold. There is a good chance of snow, but you know, with the colder weather and with the snow, I would like to see how it does impact certain players like rookie DK Metcalf, who really hasn't hasn't experienced that much. No. Is that going to slow him down? Is a sloppy field going to slow him down? I think that that's something to definitely look out, you know, look forward to to seeing. Bring in the new era of the. We got to figure out a nickname because we did the Lambo Mystique before, and you can't, you just can't. That's old hat. You know, you got we got. Yep. I, yep. So I think from now until we record or record and produce, and when we are sitting in in the comfy seats of Lambo Field, I think we'll come up with a new nickname for. Playoff football energy at Lambeau Field. Definitely. And speaking of that, how do you feel about some play, Packers playoff pregame balls? Oh, I I love it. I look forward to it. This is my favorite part of the, of the show. And we finally, we have synchronized. Throughout the whole yes. year, we have synchronized. <laughs> we are on the same page of wanting to unveil our pregame balls at the same time. I want you to take it away, Nebels. Who's your first pregame ball? All right, and I actually am taking a whole different approach to what uh, I, I, you know, to how I usually do it, and it may may be a little surprising. I know you've kind of gone this route a, a couple of times, but maybe not to the extent in which I have. Oh boy! I am gonna go ahead and give game ball number one to Matt Lafleur. I, th- I felt it. I think that uh, you yeah, know this is his his first first playoff game as a head coach. I think that uh, he is. This is going to be on him. I think the players. I think we know what the players are going to are, are capable of on both sides of the ball, and I think it's just up to him to get the team prepared, get them pumped up, get that good game plan going, and and show you know the the, the Lambo faithful that he is he's the right man for this job. I think he's going to go in there. He's got to out coach. Sneaky Pete and the Seahawks, and I, I think he can do it. I think he do do. I think he's gonna. He's had a couple of weeks to prepare. I think he's taking this, you know, very seriously. He seems like a uber competitive guy, and I think he's gonna come in on on Sunday and surprise us all. 
I love it. And you're right. I, I, I've i mentioned uh, Coach Lafleur and other coaches in pregame balls. I And I thought about it. I thought about Coach Lafleur, this being his first playoff game. I mean, three years ago, the last Packers playoff game, uh, Matt Lafleur was the quarterback's coach for the Atlanta Falcons. And in three years, Kyle Shanahan goes to San Francisco. Matt Lafleur goes to Green Bay. And the Falcons are abysmal. So I think it's interesting, you know, in a, you know, two, three years that, you know, the Atlanta Falcons window has closed. And now you're looking at the Green Bay Packers who haven't been to the playoffs in back-to-back years. The crowd is going to be fired up. What impresses me the most with Coach Lafleur is that same with the Seattle Seahawks, the Seattle Seahawks, every win has been a one possession game. Yep. And same with Coach Lafleur. Every win has usually been a one possession game. But the biggest thing is you're winning. And so I, I feel great going in. I think Matt LaFleur is going to be ready for this occasion. General Manager Brian Gutekunst has wanted this moment, you know, two years ago. And so I think uh, I'm excited for that great pregame ball, number one. I will take your Coach LaFleur. And I think Coach LaFleur, this stems from Coach LaFleur and Aaron Brightlights Jones is your first pregame ball. Uh, I, nice. I think the way that Coach LaFleur has utilized Aaron Jones in, in the early part of the season outside of the Minnesota Vikings game in week two where he had 20-plus carries. He's been in that under 10, around 11, 12, a high of 13 carries throughout the course of the year. And then against the Minnesota Vikings, against the Detroit Lions, he's gone back-to-back 20-plus carries, 25 versus the Lions, 23 versus the Vikings, both games going over 100. Uh, this is his first Game. He was drafted three months after the run the table year, just a, a couple months after the Packers' last playoff game against the Atlanta Falcons. He is a bona fide touchdown waiting to happen. And for those that are familiar with NBA and Tyler Hero, who came from Wisconsin, went to Kentucky, a little controversial switch, if you will, from Wisconsin to Kentucky. He's now a rookie for the Miami Heat. His nickname is Bucket. He is a bucket. And I want to say that not only is Aaron Jones' nickname Bright Lights, because Anthony Barr said that he wasn't ready for the Bright Lights, I mm. think Touchdown is another nickname. Is He is just a touchdown waiting to happen. Yep. Uh, he's rushed over 1,000 yards, 19 touchdowns tied with Christian McCaffrey. I think that our run in the playoffs continues with Aaron Jones. So piggybacking off of Coach LaFleur and your pregame ball selection uh, I think Aaron Jones, he has to have a big game. The run that they that I'm envisioning, three more wins, I think it all comes from Aaron Jones. So he's my first playoff pregame ball. Exactly. And I've been saying this for weeks now, that this offense has to run through Aaron Jones. You know, Rodgers can still be great. He can still has his moment. But I, I think that it, it has to shift from Rodgers to Jones. So I love that game ball pick. My second pick, I am still staying away from a, a player for right now. I am going to go with Mike Pettin. Oh, baby. I think that Mike Pettin, I mean, stopping Russell Wilson, DK Metcalf, Tyler Lockett, that is going to be a big feat. I think Mike is going to put the game plan together to be able to do so. You know, this is his first playoff game in Lambeau, you know, similarly to Matt LaFleur. And I think he does rise to the challenge. The one, the, the it factor I think that Pettin has which is going to be good for everybody, is he has been to the playoffs before. He does have, I believe, a 4-2 and two playoff record uh, with the Jets, his last appearance coming in, I think, 2012. So he has the experience. 
he 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 has been there before. He knows what it takes to win a playoff game, and I think that is going to be invaluable to Matt Lafleur and the rest of the guys on the sideline. So I think Petten is going to be it's going to be one of those scenes where you know the defense the offense is all going to be he's going to be all smiles. They're going to be mobbing him at the end of the game. I think that the defense is going to be the key of this game and. Mike Patton, he is just going to be that that X factor. So he gets my second pregame ball. I love it. I love it, Nebels, and I'm going to piggyback off of Mike Patton. And my number two playoff pregame ball is is rookie safety Darnell Savage. Uh, like I said, with Aaron Jones, a bona fide touchdown waiting to happen. I think Darnell Savage is a bona fide tone setting hit waiting to happen. Uh, Savage has missed three games with an ankle injury and was up and down at times throughout the season. But his playmaking ability and his speed and coverage, it's jaw-dropping. He finished his rookie season with two interceptions, two forced fumbles, and five pass breakups. He's given up a passer rating of 71.1 in his coverage and finished with a top 30 coverage grade among NFL safeties. He was the second first-round pick for general manager Brian Gutekunst. Uh, In order to stop the run, in order to stop those big plays, in order to stop how... Russell Wilson just, you know, he's a magician sometimes. He just completely just does all these herky-jerky things and still can complete a play. That's what scares me about Russell Wilson. I think Darnell Savage is the guy that will come in, lay the freaking lumber, and I'm excited to see what he can do. Uh, The new era of the Green Bay Packers, Aaron Jones running the ball. Darnell Savage, rookie, safety, just laying the pain. Great white shark. He is finally healthy. I think the tandem of him and Adrian Amos will allow the Packers to minimize those big plays that the Seattle Seahawks are known to uh, to do and to execute. So Darnell Savage is a guy that I think is going to uh, cement uh, what possibly could be a great long career for the Green Bay Packers. I'm so excited about how he's healthy. That's another thing that we should talk about is how healthy this Green Bay Packers team. But you took oh, it's phenomenal. So it might be a little interesting where. I would like to see what Darn what they do with Darnell Savage. Um, if they'll keep him more at the line, if they're going to press him, or if they're going to drop him back and try to minimize uh, those big plays. But I just got a weird feeling that Darnell Savage is going to come up with a big play, whether it's a hit, whether it's an interception, something. But Darnell Savage, my second playoff pregame ball. The great white shark smelling blood in the water. I love it. Oh, I yeah. love it. All right. And I know how excited I am about this game. I know how excited you are about this game. Oh, yeah. So I am going to give my pregame ball number three to Lambeau Field and the fans. All right. I think, yeah. I mean, I think that, you know, we talk about it, we talk about it, we talk about it, we talk about, you know, get loud Lambeau. I think this this crowd is going to be so pumped up on Sunday. It's been a long time since the Packers have played a playoff game at home in Lambeau in January. And I think that they are going to be up for the challenge. It's going to be loud. It's going to be disruptive. It's going to be a super, it's just going to be a very exciting atmosphere to be in from start to finish. I I think it's just going to be loud the whole time. That energy level is going to be there. That's going to translate to the players on the field. They seem to feed off the energy of the crowd. I, I think this is a whole new I think this is like a whole new thing for for the the Lambeau faithful. You know, again, playoff football back to Lambeau Field. 
it's just going to be, it's going to be something to see. I'm very, very, very excited and thankful to be there firsthand to witness it. So I am giving my third game ball. It's going to be like the, you know, the, the Seattle's 12th man. I think that we're just going to, going to take over and it's going to cause all sorts of problems for Seattle. It's going to be, it's going to be awesome. And I'm pretty proud to rep the 119 at Lambeau Field. Uh, We, we get some, uh, we get some opposing fans in there. But it, it, it's an area that always stands, that always screams. Uh, I've been going there since I was eight years old. So almost 30 years of going uh, to Packer games in these same seats. I can't wait uh, to experience it with you and rep the Unknown Packers podcast, the Unknown Packers productions within uh, within that section. Uh, we still got to figure out a nickname, and I think we will. But yep. it, it's a new era at Lambeau Field. Uh, it's a new energy. We... Rodgers just need I, I think what I really want to see, um, like I said with the Aaron Jones is actually I'm gonna hold off. My third playoff pregame <laughs> ball. Um, I love that you picked Lambeau Field. I think we're gonna bring it, we're gonna be loud. You're definitely gonna know us something. Like I said, in our section, we don't sit, we stand the entire time. So when I read on Twitter and I, I get other fan accounts of people telling them to sit down or uh people not standing up, that's a crying shame because in our section, uh, we get loud. And with that said, I think the loudest that we're going to get outside of the Packers beating the Seattle Seahawks is when Tyler Irvin takes it to the hizzy, takes Ooh, it, swerving Irvin, takes it to his home, his place, his happy place. I Tyler Irvin, what Aaron Jones has said about him, he flips the field. I think we're going to continue to see that. I don't know why I continue to remember. I mean, I just envision what Desmond Howard did. For the Green Bay Packers during that '96 uh, run, I was run. literally just thinking that. Yes, literally just thinking Desmond. And Howard. I think Tyler Irvin, the jet motion sweeps. So we've seen a couple jet sweeps with uh, Tyler Irvin in there. I love that tandem in the backfield with Tyler Irvin and Aaron Jones. The special teams has improved immensely with the acquisition of Tyler Irvin. I think it it goes to show that Brian Gutekunst and his squad are continually trying to improve day in and day out. Coach LaFleur said that they work tirelessly to trying to enhance this roster. There's something about Tyler Swerve and Irvin that I feel that not only will he flip the field, but I think the loudest, I think we're just going to be hugging and embraced in the beer spills of joyous Green Bay Packer fans when Tyler Irvin takes it to the house. I don't know. It might be a jet sweep. It might be a punt return, might be a kickoff return, but I think Tyler Irvin makes a play this Sunday, 5.40 p.m. Central Standard Time at Lambeau Field. With that said, give me your final thoughts as we wrap off, wrap up. Playoff football is back on tap, Neebles. Again, I couldn't be more excited to have playoff football back in Lambeau Field and, and to be there firsthand to witness it. Uh, again, I am humbled and grateful to be able to to be there. I, I'm just super excited. I, I can't wait. I think the, the one I'm bracing myself for is that I think the Packers start off slow. I think uh, the nerves, I think the jitters, I think um, whether it's Rodgers, whether it's Coach Lafleur, um, but I do believe that the Packers defense, that's what's the difference. I think with Zadarius Smith in there, I think uh, you've got some playmakers on both sides of the football. Um, I mean, three years ago, to the date that we're recording is when the Green Bay Packers had their last playoff game at Lambeau Field against the New York Giants. That that was the the run-the-table year where it just was on the golden arm of Aaron Rodgers. This is a different team now. 
I think we're well-rounded. I look at, yes, there's there's things here and there. There's lulls. Um, we're not blowing teams out, but take this. Last week, playoff, you know, playoff football weekend, every game was ugly. Every single game was ugly. Every single game was close. I think that that's just what the NFL is about right now, and the Packers find ways to win. There's something about that swagger with Coach LaFleur that I think that in the second half is when the Packers really start making those adjustments and they they make the Seattle Seahawks pay. But I think it's going to be a tale of uh, two halves. The first half, I think we're going to be slow. And the second half, I think we're going to make the correct adjustments. Uh, the defense is going to settle down, uh, hone in on on, on Wilson. But I, I predict a Tyler Irvin and Aaron Jones, big days from both of them. And I, I feel it. I think three more wins. I said it back in March about the Green Bay Packers and Coach Lafleur. I'm not going to say it now, but there's just something special when you find when a team finds a way to win, when you have leaders on this team, and when they all come together. And I mean, there's always been some sort of negativity during the run the table. It was uh, Coach McCarthy and Rodgers aren't getting along, so it's all on Aaron Rodgers. I don't feel that this any, anymore. And credit to Mark Murphy for bringing in Brian Gutekunst, credit for Brian Gutekunst for seeing what this team is and reshaping it. But I think we have all the tools in order to advance to the NFC Championship game, which is Sunday, January 19th at 5.40 p.m. Central Standard Time. Mark your calendars because I feel, I feel, whatever nickname that we have with Lambeau Field, (laughs) whatever the nickname, it's going to influence the Green Bay Packers and advance. I can't wait to share uh, the experience with you, Nebels. Uh, any final words as we wrap up? Playoff. I keep on saying playoff football is back. Playoff is back on tap. Go Pack Go, baby. Let's go 1-0 this week. 1-0. I don't care about the ugly wins because the Seattle Seahawks are doing the same thing. We have a better resume, in my opinion, and I can't wait to celebrate a Green Bay Packers win. Playoff football is back. Celebrate. Thank you so much for tuning in the Unknown Packers podcast. Uh, We appreciate your patience the last couple weeks. We hope that you've had a happy holiday, happy new year. Cannot wait for what 2020 is in store. Go Pack Go. I am your co-host Bryce Christensen. And I'm Nebels. And this is the Unknown Packers podcast. Thank you so much for following the Unknown Packers podcast. Make sure that you're tuning in to TuneIn Radio, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Anchor, Google Play, Stitcher, and a variety of other podcast platforms. Don't forget to say, hey, Alexa, play the Unknown Packers podcast. That's right. We're good friends with Alexa. Make sure you're checking out our website, theunknownpackers.com, as well as Facebook, Instagram, Snapchat, and Reddit, the Unknown Packers podcast. Thank you so much for tuning into this episode. I'm Bryce Christensen, and this is the Unknown Packers podcast.